Welcome back to the Carp Chronicles podcast, episode number 52. And this is the follow-up episode to the last one where I sat down and answered your questions, which you submitted on Instagram and Facebook. And it's much more of the same today. Um, I aim to answer your questions in a little bit more detail. I've got a lot of different questions to get through. I'll do my best to get through them all. If for some reason I accidentally skip your question, don't be offended. Um, Just send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and I'll answer it via PM directly with you. Um, But yeah, much more of the same. Loads of questions to get through before we jump into them. Got to mention, of course, proudly sponsored by BP Milling. Go ahead, check out bpmilling.co.uk. They offer some fantastic pellets for carp and a few other products as well. So go ahead, check them out, bpmilling.co.uk. And of course, check out my own bait company, optibait.com. There's quite a few questions about uh, my products, which are obviously very different from the rest of the products out on the market. So I understand people have a lot of questions about them. Um, I'll be covering those questions. I'm sorry if it seems like I'm promoting my own products. That actually isn't the case. I'm just answering your questions. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want it to seem like this is a big advert for OptiBates. Um, I really don't want that whatsoever. But nonetheless, you've asked questions. And I'm sure if one or two of you have asked a question on something, probably a lot of more of you have got the same question that you want to answer. So I'll be covering those as well as all kinds of different questions on angling, quite a few questions on bait, uh, seasonal approaches, loads of different stuff to get through. Actually, obviously, I read the questions, I skim them, but I don't think, oh, I'll say this to that one. I keep it as neutral and as not neutral, that's not the right word, but I keep it as real as, as possible. Um, so nothing is sort of planned out or anything like that. Typical typical Carp Chronicles style. We're pretty on the fly and, and uh, I don't know, I guess you could say unprofessional, but I think it's just real. Um, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, question number one. Oh, by the way, should mention I am recording this um, in a little shed type thing next to a road i think it's probably going to rain and there might be the odd car or two passing by so there might be a bit of background noise as well as that of course i'm not on my usual microphone audio isn't going to be quite as good as normal apologies hopefully it's listenable all right so let's jump into this uh first question with most modern bait being hnv and the amount used should be more focused on should be more focused on digestion so let me read this again with most modern bait being hnv and the amount used uh, so should we be more focused on digestion yeah i think we should i really think we should um i don't think this is given enough thought uh to be honest i think by the bigger companies is definitely something that, that they work to they want it to be digest uh, sorry digested they want it to be passed through the fish efficiently um efficiently there's a little bit of a pun there didn't intend it um so i think some companies yeah they're definitely thinking about that do i think the home roller is really thinking about that Mm, to a degree but i mean i think everyone's doing the same thing you know that they'll they'll put a bit of roughage in there they'll maybe put you know some uh wheat germ um some some hemp hemp expeller or something like that to to up the fiber content as well as putting other fibrous ingredients that that'll pass through but i mean 
I don't think anyone's looking into prebiotics, probiotics, um, or anything like that. I do in my mixes that I make. I think it's actually quite important. I think if you look at the um, the equipment that carp have to digest food, everyone says, oh, it's very basic, it's very basic. It is and it isn't, you know. Um, but I think, I think there's more that can be done. I really, really do. I'm a fan of prebiotics and probiotics, not just in uh, fish feed formulation, but also uh, for, for humans, for myself as well. Um, and I think there's probably a lot we can do with digestion. Now, digestion and gut transit time get kind of blurred. They get confused all the time. It's a bit of a bit of an annoyance of mine, and I've mentioned this before, so I'm kind of going over old ground, but slamming a load of... And this isn't directed at any particular company, by the way, um, so, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, but just slamming a load of spices into your bait is it's not a way to make it diet more digestible yeah it's going to pass through the fish quickly because the spices are an irritant they're a gut irritant your body it's the same as us if we you go and have a vindaloo right now you know you, you're probably going to be chitting that out pretty quick tomorrow and it's probably not going to be a very pleasant experience for you now obviously carp's digestive system are very different than ours but it's the same thing these spices the capsaicin um within the spices it's an irritant it's a gut irritant so yes it's going to fly through them and yeah they'll keep eating it and yes you could argue that capsaicin certainly for humans when we consume them it actually releases feel-good um endorphins and, and hormones even does that happen with fish no i don't think it does it doesn't happen with birds either um they don't have the the correct apparatus to for that to be facilitated, but humans do. But nonetheless, it is an irritant. Now, I'll be honest, the, the, to my knowledge, there's no studies on whether spices actually irritate the gut, as in the carp are actually conscious of it. So I'll just repeat that. There's no studies that I'm aware of that have studied, okay, when the carp eat these spices... Is the carp, does it get a bit of a nutset tummy? Does it feel discomfort, etc.? I don't know if that's the case or not. I would hazard a guess, you know, drawing some conclusions from different things, I'd hazard a guess that yes, it is uncomfortable for them. Um, and therefore, I'm pretty careful about putting a load of spices in my bait now. Do they work? Yeah, of course they do. I mean, carp will get caught countless times on bait with spices in and it sounds like I'm contradicting myself now but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is desirable does it you know um so for me I don't think they're necessary I realize no one asked me about spices excuse me no one asked me about spices I'm just uh, sort of riffing on here but nonetheless I think people need to make this distinction between gut transit time and digestibility something could fly through their gut very very quickly but they're not actually assimilating they're not breaking down the nutrients they're not absorbing what they need very efficiently um, conversely something could take a bit longer to pass through but they could garner more nutrients from it and then again something could pass through nice and quickly and they could ex um, extract shed loads of nutrients from it that's probably the ideal because it's best of both worlds um, reality is it's a bit harder to create um, that being said, as I said, 
you can get a little bit clever with prebiotics, probiotics, and I think that that kind of that path is going to give you more results um, than than perhaps the more traditional paths that people take when trying to make baits more digestible. Um, it's certainly something that I put into practice with my baits. I, I can't obviously comment on other bait companies. Well, actually, I can because I know what they do and they don't do it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Right, next question. Best winter combination in conjunction with your milk mix for cork ball pop-ups? Oh, that's a tough one because... Um, so the milk base mix, Hydro Milk, is doing really well at the minute with butter spice, my butter spice flavor, which is a bun spice with some um, buttery, scopexy type elements. Um, coupled that with the cream dream, which is more of a you know out and out scopex flavor with a twist, a little bit of black pepper in there. It's quite an interesting flavor actually. Um, the combination of those two, the butter spice and the cream dream has been doing a lot of fish, as is the strawberry cream EA, which is the best strawberry cream, uh, sorry, the best strawberry recipe ever made, in my opinion, genuinely think that, uh, on an ethyl alcohol base, combined with the cream that I use, which is also on an ethyl alcohol base, which also in its own right, that's the Cornish cream, by the way, also in its own right, is an absolutely phenomenal flavor, and it's just, it will never stop working. Carp will eat it again and again and again, and they'll find it very, very attractive and very palatable. So, that strawberry cream is working really well as well. Now, if I was going down the route of hook baits and I was slinging out, you know, singles, uh, uh, showing fish or just where I thought the fish were, would I use those flavors? I would do, happily. No issue whatsoever. Um, that being said, in winter, if we're talking about the dead of winter, Polar fruit, I'm sorry, I'm just like mentioning my own flavors. It's because I want, it's, I have confidence in them. I know what's in them. I know how good they are. I get so many catch reports. Um, so yeah, it's what I'm confident in. Apologies if it just sounds like a big advert. It's not meant to be. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the, the polar fruit. And I have to give Pete credit here because this is a, a blend that he used to use. And then I sourced the, the recipes and the flavors and tweaked it and blah, blah, blah. But that polar fruit flavor is absolutely phenomenal in winter. Um, it just catches fish when everything else fails. So if you wanted to go with our flavors, in fact, yeah, if you just wanted the best flavor possible for winter, I mean, it's going to come down to personal preference, isn't it? Some people are going to want to use a John Baker flavor. Um, his plum, although it's not necessarily a winter flavor, his plum is a very good flavor, catches a lot of fish. Um, his maple is, is the other flavor of his that I like. Both of those flavors, they're absolutely great. They'll work well in winter, of course they will. Um, for me, years gone by in winter, I love Tutti Frutti, the proper Tutti Frutti. I think that's very hard to bait, uh, sorry, to beat. Um, in our polar fruit, it is it's tutti frutti. I'm not so sure I'm even supposed to say this, but that's is it's, it's my it's my stuff, so I can say it. But yes, it is tutti frutti combined with the black currant flavour. That black currant that I brought out a while ago, um, that everyone went absolutely mad for. That is phenomenal in the winter as well. Black currant and very high levels of buku essential oil on an ethyl alcohol base. 
man that is a good flavor for winter i've sold some of that um you know sort of off the website to a few select people um those guys that have that in fact who answered the, asked this question it was wayne wasn't it i won't say your second name just in case you don't want it out there but i think you've bought some of the um of my black currant and, and buku ea flavor so i would use that um or the polar fruit again the polar fruit is phenomenal it's just so good it's it'll work all year round but in the winter it just comes into its own um now i will say something the black currant that i brought out before um that i that i had to to, to take off the, the shop because of uh, buku oil supply issues i could get buku oil which is skunk oil some of you will know it from skunk oil it's an essential oil made from the buchu plant um it's ridiculously expensive. You're talking thousands per litre of the real proper gear. Um, I could get the cheaper stuff and still produce that flavour and shit loads of people will buy it because they've got the confidence in it from before. But it's not, it's not the same quality. It's not as good. You want the absolute best of that skunk oil. It makes a massive difference. So I will not sell it if I can't get the real stuff. Now, to be honest, the supply has changed a little bit. Um, and there is scope for me to get more of it. Again, it is very expensive. Um, I'm using it in a fish mix, and I'm actually putting it on a, uh, a, a propylene glycol base, a PEG base, um, or MPG, monopropylene glycol. And uh, obviously it's the exact same recipe as it was when I had it on EA. It's just on uh, MPG now. That makes it a bit more affordable because MPG is, is much more cost-effective than ethanol. Um, so I'm toying with the idea as to whether I should bring it out or re reintroduce it, I should say, um, because that flavor is genuinely special. I would put that flavor against any other flavor ever made, genuinely. And I'd be very, very confident in it. So, yeah, I'm seriously considering bringing that out. The supply issue is no longer an issue. Um, it's just really freaking expensive. So it will be a pricey flavor. And I'm sure loads of people will freaking moan how expensive it is. But, you know, if you don't want it, don't buy it. Um, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. What was the, what was the question? Uh, oh, yeah, best winter flavor. Yeah, I, I would say that. I would also get the... Uh, and I know you've bought this, um, Wayne but put the lust dust that you bought in it as well. That'll go a long way um, in triggering a response, particularly in the cold weather. I mean, all year round, but when it's cold, you know, you, like the bait needs all the help it can get um, to get the, the carp to feed. So yeah, for you, buddy, use that black currant EA that I've sold you. I'm pretty, I'm 90% sure you've got some. Um, or the polar fruit. I know you've bought a lot from me. You probably bought that as well. Use one of those two. Um, you're going to be doing well. Right, next one. Oh, by the way, tip of the episode. I am several beers in. Um, I'm on the uh, the Shipyard IPA, but I've also got a Hazy Pale Ale, which is by Vocation Brewery, and a American IPA, which is also by Vocation Brewery. Um, so I've got those kind of craft beers to have along with the shipyard, which I quite like. So yeah, that's the tip of the episode. I am, I think, three beers deep at the minute. So uh, I'm feeling fine, but they'll keep flowing, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, 
So if you're, if you're drinking alongside me, then cheers. Here's to us. Um, next question from Wayne again. Um, you've done a milk-based mix. Are you going to do a fish meal one? Yes, I am. Um, and it's ready to go. It's been ready for a long time. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, it's difficult because, I mean, who, who releases a fish meal base mix at the end of autumn going into winter? I mean, idiots? I don't know. It's not a good time to release it. But actually, I'm just going to do it anyway because that fish mix is absolutely good to go all year round. Um, it's, I call it voodoo, right? It's the voodoo mix. That's what I call it. Um, that's what I've always called it. That's what our testers call it, or my testers, I should say. Uh, it's known as the voodoo mix. Whether I'll, you know, put it as that name when it comes to market or not, I don't know. But it's, I probably will do. Why not? It's always been the voodoo mix to us because it is a bit of voodoo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very soluble. There are high levels of solubles in there. Um, you'll need a hard hook bait mix with this unless you're doing very short sessions because it is it will just break down very efficiently and quickly. Um, there's decent, decent levels of fish meals in there. In fact, there's high levels of fish meals in there. Um, yeah, it's extremely digestible, extremely soluble. Absolutely to f- fine to use all year round. Um, it's been, it, it's been in existence for a long time, a very long time. All my stuff has, um, but no more so than this mix. Last winter did very, very well. Uh, so, and I know I keep these things very close to my chest unless they're going to come out imminently because I mean, well, why wouldn't I? But yeah, it's, it's a bit of voodoo. It's a bit different. It's very different in fact. And if I'm honest, it's probably the best fish meal bait I will ever produce. Maybe I'll produce some more in, in the future. I don't know. But if I'm being totally honest, I just can't see me producing a better bait than this. It is absolutely phenomenal. So to answer your question, yes, there is a fish meal base mix coming out very soon. I won't be offering it ready rolled um, for reasons I've stated before. I just don't have time for that. Uh, it's just a ball lake I don't want. Um, look, I sell specialist ingredients that are very different from the norm. Like if, if you want to use that sort of stuff, you, you've got to be prepared to put a bit of work in yourself. It's got to be a trade-off, isn't there? Um, and I know Wayne, you're you're more than happy to do that. I know you've bought the um, you've bought quite a lot of the hydro milk. I think. Uh, in fact, I know you have. So yeah, it's not directed at you that comment. It's just directed at people uh, in general. Um, if I could, if I had the means to roll it for you all, I absolutely would. But unfortunately, I don't. Um, next question: How to get carp on a bait? pre-baiting methods, regularity, volume, etc., labeling a bait? Yeah, good question. Um, look, it's very hard for me to say you need X amount of boilie per week or per two days or whatever, because it's all, and you know this, but it's all going to depend on the stock levels of the lake, how big the fish are, what other bait is going in, how much natural food is going in, blah, 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 blah. So it's very hard to give you specifics unless I know exactly what your water is. Uh, You know, I know the ins and outs of it. But general rules of thumb, um, yeah, you want to label it. I mean, labeling a bait, it used to be spoken about a lot more. I don't really hear that spoken about now. But you've got to think, so let's say your, your water is dominated by fish meals, right? And they're all by the, 
um, by the big brands, but also the smaller brands, you know, that, that, you know, you perhaps have a bit more faith in. As I've said before, all of those mixes are going to be pretty much the same. There's going to be a good chunk of LT94 in, good amount of pre-digested fish meal, maybe some um, sea, uh, sorry, sardine and anchovy, maybe some cape. It, they, they're going to be pretty much the same. There's going to be a touch of soya, touch of semo, um, some roughage in there, maybe, you know, 5% brewer's yeast, 10% uh, whey protein concentrate. They're all very freaking similar. So yeah, to like to, to put a stamp on it, a label on it, so the fish can distinguish between all the other shit going in and yours is a good idea. Of course, even better than that, use a better bait than everyone else. Um, or use a different bait. I mean, hydro milk this is part how it was born. I wanted a bait that would single out bigger, older fish. But as well as that, it would be very different from the rest of the baits that the lake is seeing. Because even if... Even if there was other milk protein baits being used on the water, there's no other milk protein bait like the hydro milk on the market. That, that's not me big, giving it the big one. That is just a simple fact of the matter. There is no other bait like that out there. So if I'm using that, I, that is my label. I don't need a flavor or anything else to distinguish it. It's, it's a highly nutritious, highly attractive, very unique bait that no one else is using. Um, but if you don't have that luxury, then yeah, sure, getting a flavor on it, getting, that, getting a certain label on it is, is definitely advisable. In terms of frequency, more, as long as it is being eaten, more often the better. Um, I mean, you've obviously got to bring into account bird life, you know, uh, the birds eating it, a crayfish eating it, uh, other species eating it. You need to bring all of that into consideration. Um, in an ideal world, in this, like, we... Who lives in an ideal world? I definitely don't. But in an ideal world, you'd go down there every single day. You'd give them just enough to, you know, let, let them have their fill, but, but then want to come back for more. And you do that every single day at the same time of day. Can, they'll get conditioned to when, when the bait goes in. I'm not saying they're going to be there waiting for it, but they'll kind of know soon after to, to come. I believe that. I really do. Um, but that would be ideal. Now, in reality... If I can get down and bait up a spot every other day, I am freaking happy. I'm very happy. I'm a happy man. If it's every three days, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still happy with that. That's fine. I don't get the luxury to do this these days, by the way. I do not have time for pre-baiting. I don't even have time for fishing, <laughs> to be honest. I'm going to be doing very short day sessions this winter, I think I said on the last one. Uh, I just don't have that time luxury. But, yeah, so pre-baiting is not a thing for me now. If you can afford the time and you can make time to do it, then do that, you know. Um, it's going to pay off for you. Again, as long as the fish are eating it. If you just keep on piling the bait in a spot, you know, and it's not being eaten and it's going to shit and it's all, it's all going all nasty, and that is not good. You're going to kill your spot. So, yeah, it's, it's going it, to... You've got to be a bit smart about it. Um, it's definitely not a case of more is better. It's give them as much as they can have um, and keep giving it to them regularly and you'll get the results from it. I mean, let, presuming you're using a half-decent bait. If your bait is absolute shit and it's not palatable and they only eat a bit and then they don't want to eat anymore, then yeah, you're not going to do well. But yeah, if you use a good bait, then you're going to be onto a, a winner. Um, so yeah, anyway, I don't know if that helps. 
let's put it on the other end. Let's, if you're thinking like once every three days, I don't have the luxury to do that. Do what you can. Like, I've done it where it's just once per week, which is when I fish. Perhaps I'll, I'll stalk around, I'll find the fish and I'll fish to them. But perhaps every single time I'm at the lake, if it's only once a week, fine. I'll put a bait in an area, I'll get something going. Even if I'm not necessarily going to fish it anytime soon, I'll get it going. I've done that a little bit this year. Uh, I'm not at the lake very often at all. But there's this little area where no one ever fishes. Personally, I can see the fish going there in the winter. Um, and I'm putting bait there every single time I'm there. I could go three weeks without going to the lake. But when I do go, I'll still put a little bit of bait in there. You know, why not? It doesn't hurt. Keep things going. Um, and this is something I do all the time, actually. I might have my main baiting up area when I do have the time to bait up. But I'll get other little spots going. You know, I just, oh, this little area, always neglected. Just put a little bit in there, put a little bit in there, put a little bit in there. The amount of times that, that you know, I've been stuck for a swim or, you know, that I haven't been able to find the fish. And I thought, well, I'll go to that area that I've constantly been putting a bit of bait in, even if it's a handful or two. And I've had fish. You know, it, I, that happens quite a lot, actually. So that's worth doing as well. Get the bait going in, get it in the different areas and try and make your bait nice and unique. Um, if you're not rolling your own, you can't go like super out the box with the mix, fine. Um, you know, add add a different dimension to it. Maybe that's um, chucking some liquid on it that's distinctive or, you know, and some powders afterwards. Uh, I said before, I'm big into that, you know. Get the boilies out of the freezer, um, soak them with some some liquid and then put some powder on. That, that added attraction. Don't overdo it. You can add the wrong things for sure. Um, but that'll give a bit of a label and a, a, a bit of a difference. Yeah, it'll get washed off. But, you know, if they're, the fish are getting there to a reasonable time, then it's going to be uh, distinguishable for them. Hope that helps, buddy. Um, next question. Ways to improve digestibility of a boily mix. I think I've kind of covered this. It's a good question, uh, Nikki. But I think I kind of covered this on on uh, a few questions ago. Um so I won't I won't go into that. I mean, yeah, okay, I didn't go into the the, the probiotic prebiotic thing, but I mean, I'm going to sound like an asshole now, but I kind of want to keep that to myself. Um, I might actually, uh, yeah, I'm. I had this thought where, okay, I, I'm not. I'm doing very different things with like the base mixes and the pop ups and things, and I'm not telling anyone about it for obvious reasons. You want to keep it to yourself, but actually. I did have this thought that why don't I just divulge my mix? Why don't I just tell everyone exactly what is in hydro milk, exactly what is in the other things that I sell? Because I think that would probably, well, A, it would make people more confident in it. Um, B, it would increase the, the sales. I'm overly worried about that. But, I mean, you're not going to make it at home in the same way that I can because I've got a bit more buying power. Um, so yeah, I did think actually, why don't I just fucking tell everyone what I'm doing, but, um, I'll mull it over. I won't rush into that. Um, right. Next question. PVA bag mix and hook bait, uh, from Wayne again. I don't know if I answered this in the last episode or not, actually. Um, what do I, at the minute I'm using the hydro milk base mix in PVA bags. Um, and I'm just using a hydro milk home rolled bottom bait in it. Um, and I'll tip that off sometimes. Sure. I like the, 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 the black Buku pop-ups that we do. Um, I'll tip it with that. 
Um, I will say that I like the specials that I that I rolled up a while ago, um, which is uh, based on pineapple, uh, N-butyric, some other organic acids and, and little bits. I'll, I'll often tip with that as well. But yeah, at the minute I'm using the Hydro Milk Base Mix. Um, if you want to be a little bit, you want to save a bit of money on that, then the Primer Powder, which is very affordable that I sell, is ridiculously good. Particularly if I, if I was fishing fish meals, um, the Voodoo Mix, which, which I will be. I'll, I'll get into what I'm doing later. Um, but then, yeah, I'd definitely use that Primer Powder in conjunction with that. Um, so, yeah. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Yes. Um, Dean Towie, Scientific Baits, he started a podcast and he interviewed a chap called John. Um, and he did some interesting stuff with PVA bags where he mixed, I'm trying to think what he did, he mixed um, hydrolyzed um, casing, Pepto Pro, which I put in the hydro milk. Um, he used that alongside liver, CPSP90, and I think he used some other bits as well in solid bags, and he did very well on that. Um, I think he used yeast as well. Uh, not not a million miles away from the hydro milk when there's no fish meal in the hydro milk um, but there is you know hydrolyzed milks hydrolyzed casein hydrolyzed whey protein there's yeast as well um, yeah for me that that's pretty much as as good as i can do for what i'm trying to do on this particular lake um hope that helps buddy uh next question i don't know if i answered this one as well actually I'll answer it just in case. No, I did answer this one in the last episode. Fishing a silty, uh, shallow silty lake, mostly smelly silt, ideal baits and application of it. Yeah, I think I mentioned this. Uh, add your, your, your powders and your liquids so, you know, you, that attraction is shining through through the silt. I mean, the carp will feed, you know, gill deep in stinky silt and they'll detect things. So don't worry too much. But yeah, personally, um, I like to use oil-based flavours uh, on my baits, even if that's just hook baits, because they kind of quote unquote repel the silt, they retain their smell within the bait much more efficiently. Um, for me, I would use strawberry or the strange fruit if you wanted to go with our stuff. Um, yeah, and, and use some powdered additives as well. I think I did answer this in the last episode, so I'll leave it there for that one. Um, right, next question, and this is a long one. Um, so, bear with me folks 75 acre northern res so it's a reservoir up north not fished all that much for carp often the only carp angler on rumored to be between 20 to 60 carp okay so 75 acres 20 to 60 carp i only fish friday nights after work this year i've had 10 bites from end of july to november started baiting three to four weeks before first bite been baiting every morning one half to three quarters of a kilo of boilies. Had seven bites, two fish, three times and one once. Took a big gamble and moved my baiting to the other side of the lake to try and avoid repeat, repeat captures. Okay, so he obviously feels that, they're, that the fish are sort of territorial and they stay in a certain area and he wanted to catch different ones, so he moved up the other end. Um, I also started introducing around 100 tigers each day too. Paid off and had two new fish. But the last bite was from one of the fish I moved to avoid. My question, have you or anyone you know experienced anything like this? Yes, absolutely. And why do you think it happened? Yeah, I think, I think fish uh, sort of have their, their certain areas. I mean, 
we know this. If you climb trees and you watch fish and their patterns, you'll you'll soon figure that out. Certain fish have certain areas that they like. Not all of them. You'll then get the proper nomadic fish. Who, they'll be everywhere, wherever they want. No rhyme or reason, or seemingly no rhyme or reason. But yeah, then there's definitely the other fish which they like their certain areas. Um, so if you're trying to target them, fish the areas they go. If you're trying to avoid them, you know, fish different areas. Uh, but yeah, I definitely believe in that. Um, why do I think it's happened? Well, I guess for the reason I've just said, it, it, different habits of different fish. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, apologies if this is too much of a question to read out. No, it's all good. <clears throat> um, oh, and he's given some more information on it. Um, he says, I'm using all four Baitworks boilies mixed. All four bait. Okay, so the four different boilies that baitworks do he's using them all nine out of ten bites have been between five and nine a.m i bait up at six a.m every morning so i think they have been trained to turn up to feed at baiting time yeah quite possibly lots of wild swimmers come in the morning and three or four bites have been within 15 minutes of a swimmer over a baited area i've read this question in the last episode haven't i bloody hell folks sorry you're probably all screaming at me right now like what is this freaking guy doing yeah, I've already answered this, haven't I? <laughs> sorry, Chris. Uh, if I haven't answered it and I'm just really confused and the beers are kicked in too much, then I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, um, move around. Maybe... I mean, using baitworks boilies, they are good at catching lots of different fish. Um, if you have your targets on a set fish, maybe use a little bit more of a specialised bait. That is not me shit-talking baitworks. They they make great baits. If I had to use their bait, I would happily do so. I, they, they do good stuff. I'm not saying otherwise. But all of these big companies, that, I think Stephen White was saying this, actually, they have to catch fish from everywhere, don't they? They, they have to be kind of all-rounders. Whereas if you know you're targeting a, a 45-year-old mirror you could probably change your bait to suit that fish a, a little bit more efficiently, couldn't you? Um, so yeah, maybe time to look at look at your bait. I'm now second guessing myself and thinking, fucking hell, I didn't answer this question in the last episode at all. What am I on about? I don't know. Either I did or didn't. Message in and let me know. <laughs> maybe I'm going mad. I'm finally losing the plot. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely find. I'm guessing you're targeting different fish. Find where they go. Of course, and you know this, um, you do know this. Find where they go and fish for them there. If you can't, for whatever reason, maybe there's no trees there so you can't view them. I don't know. Take some step ladders. I've got some ladders. The amount of sideways looks I've got as I, you know, put these ladders up against something and climb up. But I tell you what, they've caught me fish because I can see what's going on in the water. You must know where the fish are. You must you can fish blindly and then it's just a game of, of luck, isn't it? And maybe a bit of sixth sense. But if you can see where the fish are, it's an absolute freaking game changer. So get eyes on these fish that you haven't caught. Get eyes on them. Put the effort in. Work hard. Put the effort in and you will get the reward nine times out of ten. Okay? It might not come straight away, but it will come. So put, the, put the effort in. Maybe look at changing your bait. If you have a particular target in that water... Maybe change your bait to, to, to suit that particular fish. Uh, and if you want more help on that, send me another message and I'll, I'll shoot you some, some feedback if you give me a bit more info on, on what your actual target is. Um, hopefully that, 
that helps. Next question. Um, Hi, Sam. A question I would like to ask on your podcast would be, how would you approach a 60-acre reservoir with only 60 carp present and stacks of crayfish and also big bream? My first thoughts of approaching it have been feeding sweet corn every few hours and ground bait with an unflavored rubber hook bait when there's no visible sights of carp in the activity. And switch to a boily approach when I know carp are present. Okay, right, so it's a bait out with particles and there's no carp there. And then switch to boilies when they are there, okay. Uh, I know there is a lot of variables, but would you very much, would, but would very much like to hear your thoughts on the dreaded crayfish. Crayfish, I mean, you just, it's just something you gotta come to terms with. You gotta get used to it. Um, it's just something you gotta accept, right? They're gonna be there, they're gonna turn up. You can't use, I mean, unless, unless it's a very minor crayfish problem and then they're little tiny crayfish. You can't even get away with tiger nuts. So you just forget it. They're gonna demolish everything. They'll demolish the soft plastics even. Um, what I would do is get a good understanding of how much bait the crayfish are actually eating. If it's anything like the crayfish on the water park, they'll be eating a shitload, a phenomenal amount. And you just got to put the bait in. You, you, you just have to do it. doesn't matter if you're baiting up with sweet corn or a fish meal, krill, boily. They like it all. Some people say, oh, certain baits they don't like as much. Mm. I think when they are absolutely overrunning a lake and they're ravenous, which they always are, well, they always seem to be, I don't think it matters what bait you put out. I really don't. I think some people say like garlic, things like that. I haven't seen it. Um, I, I just haven't. So you just got to get over it. Put plenty of bait out. Use um, use wooden bowls. Sorry, bowls? Use wooden balls. Um, you get these in craft shops. Make sure they haven't been varnished or anything like that, but just plain wooden balls. And then you can soak them in whatever liquid you want to soak them in. Um, so they'll be very attractive, but the, the crayfish won't be able to demolish them. Um, that, that's what I use. I also use plastics as well. Um, and I mean, another good thing is if you can stalk, then stalk. Um, I know the water that you're referring to because of what you've said in your other message, which I won't go into. So I, I'm aware of the water. I've seen the water. I've never fished it, but I'm aware of it. And as you know, I've spoke to a couple of people that have done well on it. Um, I don't know what they did. I don't know if they had any tricks or tactics. I, I really couldn't tell you that. Um, but yeah, stalking is, uh, I mean, it's the one way around the crayfish. Yeah, you'll get crayfish in the margins, etc. where you stalk, of course, but you generally can see your bait. You can make sure it's all okay. Or you know the carp are there. Generally, you know, it, the crayfish aren't going to be as prevalent if the carp are around, um, though not always. Uh, <laughs> definitely not always. Some of these crayfish are freaking hard animals and they're big animals as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't have anything that's like crazily revolutionary. Not really. There's a few things I'm working on, but I don't really think it, there's much mileage in it, to be honest. Um, I think put the bait in, keep it going. Make sure when the carp, if the carp aren't there, make sure when they do turn up, there's bait there. Um, and make sure your hook bait is in is intact 
make sure it's not getting tangled. Don't go casting out braid or even coated braid. Go for a stiff hook link. Don't go for like a really sharp hook because the crayfish, they will just drag it up and down, up and down, up and down. Just smash your hook point in. They, it's like they do it for fun. You know, you can't, <laughs> you can't chuck too sharp a hook out. They'll just totally fuck it up. So yeah, you've got to go a bit crude in your in your rigs and your setup. Non-sharp hook. I like a big old hook for all my fishing anyway, but you know, you want it a bit industrious. Thick hook length. Um, make sure it won't tangle. Make sure it kind of quote unquote resets itself. Yeah, I mean, just go a little bit crude and industrial. Uh, that's my voice. Uh, advice? That's my advice. <laughs> um, there's not much else you can do. You can actually, but you can actually get a bit clever with the baiting up times and things like that. If you know that, oh, bike time is pretty much always, you know, X o'clock. If you bait up a couple of hours before that, the crayfish don't have quite as long to, to demolish it. Um, then again, if the crayfish are eating the bait, they're breaking it up in their claws and their mouth. It's releasing food signals into the water column, isn't it? So if you think you've got like a hundred or a thousand crayfish all over your bait, munching on your bait, think how much more food signal is going to be kicked up into the water as a result of them eating. So it's not all bad. Um, that's it, really. I don't think that helps you. Uh, hopefully, I don't know, you, you've got something out of there. Um, if nothing else, maybe you just realise that I'm in the same boat and it's an absolute fucker and I don't know how to get around it. <laughs> it's just something you've got to accept. Next question is, um, and this is from Mr. Ian McNeil. I'll mention him because he's been on the podcast, so I guess I'm allowed to mention his name. Um, question, discussions about gut transit times are quite poignant when designing a bait for different times of the year. But have you considered accounting for gut capacity, especially with bait ingredient density, solubility, and bait size? Great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I've mentioned gut irritability. Uh, irritability. Irritability. Excuse me. Beers have kicked in. Um, I've already mentioned that. So I've already partially... Well, I haven't answered your question because you didn't mention that, but I did. In terms of gut capacity and bait size, I mean, as you know, the carp suck in the bait and they will break it up in their frangial teeth. So it gets broken up, but sure, I mean, a bigger bait is going to get probably broken up into smaller pieces than, than others. I mean, for me, I like a highly soluble, soft bait. I imagine you're the same, Ian. I don't know. I might be wrong there, but I imagine you're the same. I think if, if your bait's very, very soft and soluble, it's getting mushed up into the pharyngeal teeth, it's going down the pipes, it's getting broken down physically uh, pretty efficiently and quickly, um, w you know, which will help the gut do its thing. I wouldn't necessarily worry about, or I haven't in the past, worried about size, uh, uh, feed size, uh, feed piece size, if, that, if I'm saying that right. That's, that's never been a worry for me. Um, carp will shit out big parts of swan mussels and crayfish claws. It's not common, but it, they will do it. Uh, doesn't mean it's ideal, though, does it? But but they will do it. Um, so in terms of the bait size, no, that doesn't worry me at all. Um, 
in terms of, I'm trying to answer this properly, uh, just repeat it, consider counting for gut capacity, especially with bait ingredient density. Bait ingredient density and bait density, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I am with you on that. So again, harping on about it, but my hydro milk, when you roll that, it actually comes out very firm. It's quite a firm, fairly dense bait. Um, obviously due to the nature of the milk proteins and the, 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 the fiber, fiber compounds and the other different bits I put in there. Um, but however, that, that becomes, you know, once it's submerged in water, it, it, it it's very soluble um, and it softens up a hell of a lot. Um, but straight away, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's if you're putting it straight in and it's a firm, dense bait and they're eating it straight away, I don't think they're going to assimilate as much of the nutrients from that boilie as if it was made softer or it had been submerged for a long period of time. So, yeah, I think that has a factor of things. However, tiger nuts are very dense. Um, they'll eat them all day long. They'll keep passing them through. Um, without issue i don't think it would put them off i just think it would render the bait less nutritious for them um to be honest with you so i mean what's the answer to this for me i want it highly digestible i want it to move through them efficiently and i want it to be very bio nutritionally available to them i want them to be able to extract the nutrition very efficiently um, and i want it to be nice and soft i think that's the way around this um I don't know if that answers it. I don't think I have anything more profound to say other than what I've just said, which probably isn't very profound at all, but that's my two penneth on it. Um, I also think it's important that they enjoy eating it. If it's uncomfortable for them to eat, as I said earlier about, you know, perhaps the potential issue of capsaicin spices, I think there's a real strong potential for that to be uncomfortable for them. They'll keep eating it, but it doesn't really mean it's ideal. And it's perhaps not doing them a whole great deal of good either. Um, so yeah, I think they need to keep wanting to eat it. I think it should be enjoyable to eat. I think it should be very palatable. Um, and yeah, I think it should be easy to digest and easy to pass through. Yeah, that's my take on it. Um, next question. Since using your new milk protein base mix... I have, have you noticed anything different in your catches? If so, in what way? Yes. Um, the catch reports I'm getting seem to be of big fish. Um, now, that could be skewed because, I mean, who's going to send me a catch report of, uh, of this uh, lovely little 12-pounder they've just caught? You know, probably absolutely no one. But bear in mind, I get catch reports from all the different products I use. Not that I actually ask for catch reports or anything like that, but people do, don't they? They buy stuff and they'll send in, oh, I've just had this, I had an amazing season, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting a lot of big fish being caught on it. As, as with the GLM primer powder and, and uh, hydro liquid, there's just being big fish caught on it. Um, me personally... I really think since I've started using the hydro milk, um, not catching as many fish, but I'm catching the, the, the older, bigger fish that I want to be catching. Whether that's because I'm just refining my angling style towards them or not, I don't know. Um, and for some people, that will be a con. So 
you know, maybe you don't want that. Maybe you want to catch volumes of fish. If that's the case, then, you know, probably don't buy that hydro milk. It's probably not for you. Uh, but if you're happy to kind of wait it out for the bigger, older, maybe more wary fish, I think absolutely go for it. And the catch reports are really backing that theory up at the minute. So, yeah, what I've noticed myself, I'm not catching as many fish, but I honestly feel like I'm catching the bigger fish. I truly believe that. Truly, truly do believe that. Um, right. Next question. Um, oh, yes, Brian. I sent you a question on your Q&A about the pet foods and bird foods being used in rollbacks. Basically, I answered this guy's question in the last episode and I got it wrong. <laughs> so sorry, Brian. I messed that up for you, bud. Um, he said, I get what you said about the pre-made bird food, but much of the bird food I do use is the actual bird food that's fed to wild birds and it's kind of a pigeon conditioner, but with a bit of a different makeup. But what I started to do was... What I started to do was that is roasted, it let it cool. I think he's saying he roasted it and let it cool and then ground it up um, and put it into his boiling mix. Um, that's kind of what I was on about for the bird food. And with pet foods, I was talking about grinding down cat food biscuits and adding that to certain boilies that I make and wondered if you had any experience using this, adding to any boilies. Yeah, so certainly with the cat... I mean, that's an old-school thing, right? Cat biscuits. Um, even Rod Hutchinson sold one of his baits, which is just pretty much ground-down cat biscuits. They work freaking well, um, for sure. Would they still work nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't use it because I don't have full control over it. It's, the bait has been formulated by the, the cat feed company, Whiskers or whatever it is. I like to just build things from scratch. So it's not really for me... But would it work really well? Yeah, absolutely. Experiment with that stuff. I think there's mileage. Again, it's a bit different, isn't it? How many people do you know that are grinding up cat food biscuits and putting it into a bait? Uh, probably not many. So again, it's that being a bit different from everyone else. So your bait shines out. And then obviously, you know, if you do want to pre-bait, things like that, that it's all the better, isn't it? Um, so yes, with pet foods, I think that's a go. Um, and the bird feeds, the seeds, mixed seeds. Yeah, absolutely. And pigeon conditioner, I'm a fan of. I like pigeon conditioner. Um, I think it's a good ingredient. It's a good, cheap, bulk ingredient. Carp like it. Yeah, great. If you're using these mixed seeds, these bird feeds, and you're toasting it and it's working for you, then yeah, keep, keep, keep doing it. I mean, I, I don't have anything else to say on it other than that. I'm sure it will work well. Um, it's not something personally that i'm interested in doing um but i'm sure there's a lot of mileage in it and i did think a while ago actually i'd like to get my own mill and start milling my own seeds i'd be quite interested in doing that but it's just something else to get in the way and suck more of my time <laughs> so yeah i won't be but uh yeah it sounds good sounds what you're doing is um is interesting and it sounds like it's working for you so yeah keep it up i, I don't really have anything else to give other than that unfortunately uh, but thanks for your question anyway um next question by someone else different wayne um i'm gonna have to have some beer i feel like i've been like motor mouth and my mouth is really dry excuse me um <clears throat> right next question is hi sam 
in future, can I have my question put on the Cart Chronicles podcast? Yes, you can, buddy. Um, do fish slash savoury based flavours work with a high level milk based base mix? <clears throat> As there seems to be very few out there. And the reasons why and why not. My other subject question is why do most of you... All right, let me answer this first one first. Um, what I kind of disagree in as much as I don't think there are many high levels of milk-based baits out there. I mean, who does one? I just, I mean, D, D, uh, sorry, D, uh, Dean does one um, with relatively high amounts of milk proteins. I don't think they're that high. Um, and uh, he'll be the first to, to say that. And I'm sure he doesn't want them that high. I'm not bad mouthing his bait. Dean makes a very good bait. I'd happily use his baits. No problem at all. Um, but an out and out high milk protein bait, um, there doesn't seem to be many out there that use savory flavors. Well, yeah, but, uh, fishy flavors because there isn't many of those baits out there. Um, I think the real question is like, why is the reason why I feel like I'm really fucking hashing this up, but what's the reason why you wouldn't put a fishy flavor with a milk base? And I wouldn't. For whatever reason, that just sounds, it just seems very odd to me. Like, Wizard, great flavour. Um, John Baker's Alisalar, good flavour, great flavour. Would I put that with the hydro milk? No, I absolutely wouldn't. Why? Because it just doesn't seem right to me. And that is complete, I'm just putting a human slant on it. But there's no reason why not. Um, there's lads using the hydro milk, which is my milk protein base mix with the strange fruit doing really well. Uh, and the strange fruit is, is part fruit, part meat and liver based flavors. Um, touch of TMO, a touch of TMA in it. And it's, yeah, it's just not really the flavor that I would put with a milk base mix, but yet they're doing well. Um, so there seems to be very few out there. Uh, he's asking other reasons why and why not. Yeah, I think the reason is just humanisms. I think it just doesn't seem right for humans. Um, compare it to, say, like a bun spice and creamy flavor. That just feels right on a milk base mix, doesn't it? It just feels like it would go. And it does. And it catches shitloads of fish. So I guess it's a confidence thing. But what I would say to you is if you want to be truly different, Use a high milk protein base mix or bait, make it yourself. Um, if you want to be even more different and do what no one else is fucking, like definitely no one is doing, I guess, yeah, put it with a fishy flavor. And then it's, it's very different, isn't it? Will it work as well? I don't know because I've not tried it or tested it. There's no scientific reason that I can think of that would mean you wouldn't want to do it. And I probably should have just said that in the beginning rather than waffling on like an idiot. Um, but yeah, there's no scientific reason why not to do it, but it's just a confidence thing, I guess. It just doesn't seem right, not to me at least, anyway. Um, so, is our second part. My other subject question is, why do most hook bait manufacturers follow the same colour patterns to bait flavours? Pineapple, yellow, tutti, orange, etc. Is it because it is easier to sell to the customers they can relate the colour to the flavour? Yes, I would say so. Or is it more down to the fish associating the colour to the flavour and food source? No, I don't think so. Um, because I don't think... the, f And I'm saying this, and, and I know you understand this, but I don't think the fish are swimming up to yellow pineapples and eating them and thinking, 
if there's a pineapple hook bait and it's like red, well, hang on, that pineapple doesn't look right. They're not doing that, are they? Um, I brought out my pineapple hook baits not long ago as a special edition. Um, and I did them in like this, like a ready volcano lava type red um, instead of the traditional yellow because I just couldn't bear to bring out a yellow pineapple hook bait. They've been done to death. It's super predictable. And I just don't want to fucking do it. Those red pineapple hook baits caught ridiculous amount of fish. I I did I released them as a special. The amount of people I said like, can you do more, please? Like, doesn't matter how we have to how many you have to roll. Like, do me some more. Blah blah blah. And I've been selling them sort of under the counter, as it were, for quite a while because they catch really well. They are pineapple and butyric acid and some other organic acids and some amino acids and some other little bits. Got a quote-unquote palatant in there as well they're great but they're not yellow um they're red uh and they catch very well so yeah i think it is absolutely just what people are conditioned to they want a yellow pineapple bait they want an orange tootie they want a brown fish meal it's just what people are conditioned to but i would say you know do do different things there is no reason why for the carp you know i've um I've had um, flavor blends I've used years ago and I've changed the color in. I've used them as white. I've used them as black. Um, same flavor profile. They'll work. It just depends what color I want to fish over that given substrate. Um, so, yeah, switch it up. Be different is what I'd say. Um, I think I'm going to release these pineapple hook baits. I do. And I don't know what colour to release them in, but I can guarantee you it's not going to be yellow because I cannot bring myself to do it. <laughs> uh, so that is uh, that is my my take on it. Um, there's another... Oh, it's just a, a question. A uh, personal question for me. Okay, no, I won't cover that. Yeah, hopefully that answers your, your questions, buddy. Um, right... Uh, bah, 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 bah. from John a question maybe for part two how long do you leave baits out yeah I remember reading this how long do you leave baits out and having the confidence and belief to commit to such a tactic benefits are keeping the swim quiet and baiting to a minimum yeah of course uh, interesting subject I've had a few winter 40s adopting this tactic yeah so how long would I leave a bait out and be confident in it it, of course, and no one wants to hear this, um, but it depends on the water, doesn't it? There's going to be some waters that I am more confident in doing that than others. Um, I have done that before. Generally, in recent years, I do very short sessions, so I don't angle like that. I don't. I make sure my baits are breaking down quickly, blah, 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 blah. I just don't fish that way. However, would I if I could and the situation warranted it? Yeah. Um, but... It would be more of a case of, rather than my confidence being dictated by the length of time out, I would dictate my type of bait by the amount of time I needed to leave it out, if that made sense. So I wouldn't just have my bait and that's it. And sometimes I use it this time, sometimes I use it don't. If I went to a water and I'm like, okay, I'm probably, or maybe I've got to leave a bait out for four or five days before I'm going to get a take. I would change the formulation of that bait so it was active throughout that whole timeline. And I don't think many baits on the market would be. Um, 
my hydro milk, leave it out for five days, is going to be mush. Same as my, my voodoo um, fish meal. It's going to be mush. Uh, so I wouldn't, obviously, I wouldn't use those baits in that scenario. Um, let me read the question again, make sure I'm actually answering this. Um, how long would you, how long to leave baits out having the confidence and belief to commit in such a tactic? So yeah, it, it would depend on how well I formulated it. I mean, here's the flip side. In this, nowadays, I don't think I would necessarily need to leave all of my baits out for that time. Okay, certain scenarios are going to dictate you have to just, you know, bait and wait, sit on your rods. I still think I'd have a rod, you know, roving around, casting around. And I am all for not disturbing the swim. You know, if I, a lot of the time, I will find fish and cast to them. That is my style these days. I'm not, you know, thumping a freaking five ounce lead at them until I get a nice drop. I'm fishing a very light lead in that scenario. I like a heavy lead, but in that scenario, I'll fish a very light lead and I'll make sure I'm fishing with a rig that's presented. Um, it's shocking. It's crazy how many times you'll get a bite really quick from doing that. So whilst, of course, I want to keep disturb disturbance to an absolute freaking minimum and baiting and waiting is obviously the greatest way to overcome that, um, I'm not afraid to, to, to stick a bait on a carp's head near a carp i really am not um if i was afraid to do that my angling would be shit because that's pretty much all i get the chance to do now buddy um but yeah i'd happily leave a bait out for a week if i needed to i mean i wouldn't want to fish a week anymore it's just i've got other shit going on um but uh, if i if i was i'd happily leave my baits out for that yeah uh well i was trying to think the last time i left the bait out for maybe two days I think it was probably a year or two ago when I went on a social uh, with Pete. I think it was maybe two days it was left out. It might not have even been that. Um, but other than that, I can't remember the last time I left the bait out more than 24 hours. So, yeah, it just, it just doesn't lend itself to my type of angling, but I'd happily do it. Um, but I would change my bait in, in accordance to, to suit it. Uh, I mean, tiger nuts would be a good one, wouldn't they? Because it takes a long time for tiger nuts to go nasty in the water and they're pretty much always attractive. They'd be a good one if I didn't want to formulate an actual boilie for it. Um, yeah, I don't, know if, uh, I don't know if I've done your question justice or not, buddy, but that is my immediate thoughts on it. Um, yeah. Oh, just picking up on this, actually. She's had a few winter 40s on it. See, in the winter... I would be less inclined to do that because in my experience, most waters, the, the carp aren't really moving around that much in winter. They're a bit more kind of out of it, like docile for want of a better phrase. So I would rather find them and I'd happily whack a bait at them. Um, I don't think it would disturb them as much as it would do in the warmer months. Um, yeah, and I, I, my confidence would dwindle after a few days because if the car park moving around, if I hadn't seen them moving in and out that, if I knew they moved in and out of that area on different weather phases, and I knew that weather phase was coming up, then that's different. I'd happily do it. But yeah, in winter, I'd be a bit more cautious about doing that. Again, that's just me. Of course, it will work. Um, but yeah, 
Nowadays, I like to find the fish, get up close and personal, down and dirty, and, and cast to the buggers. Um, fingers crossed I get them that way. Um, right, next question. Um, have you ever dealt with losing your mojo for fishing? Yes, I have. I've had a year where I haven't had loads of time with real life getting in the way. And when I have had time, I haven't had the same buzz I've had in previous years. Looking forward to the podcast. Thanks, man. Um, <clears throat> I have dealt with that. Yeah. And I've dealt with the opposite where I'm just too fixated on going fishing. And actually other things are going to shit. And uh, yeah, so I've had both problem, both sides of, of the coin. Um, and problems come with either side of, of the extreme of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got to ask yourself. Have you lost your mojo with fishing or are you just sick of fishing that particular water? I've had it before where I'm just like, oh God, I'm due to go fishing. I'm not motivated to go. I don't want to go there and try and battle for a freaking swim and this, that and the other. And then I have to ask myself, well, do the carp I'm trying to catch really mean that much? Isn't this supposed to be fun anyway? Like, aren't we supposed to be doing this for fun? Or are we just doing it to tick a box? Um... And I am all for, in different areas of life, I'm all for knuckling down and fucking persevering and pushing through. And you know what? Not everything should be fucking pleasurable. And we shouldn't be fucking motivated all the time. Motivation is overrated. Building habits and discipline is really underrated, right? The line of work that I do, one of my businesses, nutrition consultancy, at quite a high level and Yes, I deal with a high level of stuff, so I'm not really dealing with motivation, but lower down in the industry, I don't mean lower down, I didn't mean that to sound disrespectful, but more like the fat loss side of things. It's like, everyone wants to be, how do I, I'm just not motivated. How do I be motivated? Well, that's valid. Get motivated, right? But once you're motivated, you have to understand that your motivation is going to dwindle. It will dwindle. You have to be motivated to get into it, and then you need to cultivate habits and discipline. You need to cultivate habits and discipline with these different endeavours in life. Now, I don't know if cart fishing is one of those things because, again, we're supposed to be doing it as a hobby. Unless it's your profession, if you're Terry Hearn or you're one of these other fuckers who, you know, not fuckers, I don't mean disrespectfully, but you're one of these guys that it's your job to go out and catch fish. It is in your financial interest to go and catch fish. Um, I think Tom Stokes is professional now. Uh, I think Daryl Peck is professional. They are both amazing anglers. I bet, I might be wrong, I'd love to, love to hear their opinion on this, but I bet they're not always motivated to go out and catch the carp and to keep on to their target, their campaign. But I bet they do it anyway because they have developed habits. They have developed discipline around it. And I would guarantee, I would put money on it that that is a key part of their skill. I don't think they're always like hop skipping to the lake. And it's not just the professional guys, actually. Look at any, any well-known big fish angler. Um, there's loads of them. I, I bet they cultivate discipline um, in order to get the results. So anyway, waffling on. Um, I've lost my mojo, yes, before. Yes, I have. Generally, what I find, me personally... I'm like an all or nothing person. So if I'm like really into fishing for a while, I'll just be naturally motivated anyway. I don't need to build up discipline. I'm just 
I'm just, it's all I want to do. If I'm more focused on business, like all I'm doing is business. If I'm like getting into like to, to cooking different recipes at home, which I don't do much, I'm all in on that. And I neglect all the other stuff, which is bad. And I'm terrible for this. So I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I mean, I could certainly talk about uh, a business perspective. Um, I own a couple of businesses and, and that maybe makes me sound like I'm loaded or something. Trust me, I am not. <laughs> Far from it. Um, but I am a trier. Uh, and yeah, it's, I'm not always motivated to go out and do those things, but I build the discipline around it. I just think for me, fishing is a bit different from that. Um, but if you want to fish and you want to keep at it and you want to catch a target, and if you think, if I don't stick to this, I'm going to look back and I'll be very sad I didn't catch that fish or what have you, then get, get motivated and then get discipline from the motivation. It's easier to build the discipline when you're motivated. Build the habits. Go and do it. I guarantee something. If you've got a target out in that water and you're not doing all you can to catch it, there's someone else that will be. And of course, if you decide to do all you can to catch it, there's still other people that are doing that as well. But be motivated by that. There's someone else out there that might be pre-baiting that water right now. They might be throwing bait into a spot where that fish is going to turn up tomorrow. Now, do you want to just sit by idly and waste your time or do you want to get out there, get involved and at least do all you can do to catch that fish? You know, if you don't catch it, someone else will. That is the thing. So, uh, yeah, hard to answer. I don't know if that helps at all. I've probably gone way too deep than what you wanted. And you're probably thinking, who the fuck is this guy? Um, but that is my, that's my take on it. If in doubt, read a bit of Terry Hearn. Um, God, it does, it gets, gets the juices going, doesn't it? Um, you know, watch, watch a Terry, this is probably what I would do. I'd probably watch a, a Terry Hearn YouTube video from the ESP channel. I think you watch that night before you're due to go. I mean, come on, who isn't going to be itching to get the rods out? Um, yeah, don't know if that helps, chap. Uh, apologies if it doesn't, but hopefully it does. Um, next question. Oh my Jesus, there are quite a lot to get through. How long have we been going? Yeah, quite a while, over an hour. Damn, I might have to do these on another session. Um, right, let's answer this one. Um, how would you go about improving this milk protein mix? And would you say a milk protein bait can compete with a fish meal bait throughout the whole year? Yes, I would say most definitely a milk protein bait can compete and excel a fish meal bait. Absolutely. Um, I kind of touched on this earlier, but if everyone's, if everyone's using fish meals or nut baits, bird foods, the last thing I want to be doing is using the same as, as everyone else. So I'll be going down uh, a milk protein base mix route. Um, conversely, if everyone's on nut meals uh, and things like that, you know, de- depending on the stock I was fishing for, I'd probably fish an out and out, hardcore, very soluble fish meal like the voodoo that I'm going to be bringing out that I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, but yeah, absolutely a milk protein bait can, can compete with a fish meal. What I will say though, is it's easy to fuck up a milk protein bait. You've got to be very, very careful if you want it to be very attractive and very digestible. There's a lot to it. Um, he's given me the mix. Um, I did warn him I'll get this mix covered, but it won't be pretty. <laughs> uh, so he's got, 
100 grams of rennet, 100 grams of lactic, 100 grams of acid, these are all casein, 100 grams of whey protein concentrate, 100 grams of lactalbumin. Well, I mean, look, is that real lactalbumin? I freaking doubt it because that is insanely expensive for like 50 grams. You're talking hundreds of pounds or something stupid like that. So that won't be proper lactalbumin. Um, just as a little forewarning there. Um, 100 grams egg albumin, no. 100 grams soya protein isolate, maybe, not a fan. 100 grams calcium caseinate. 100 grams of whole egg powder, no. 100 grams of semolina, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, look, that is going to be one bound up fucking ball of tightness, which is completely inert and unattractive to anything. Um, sorry to be brutal, and I mean this respectfully. I'm not trying to like shit all over you, but yeah, you just, you just, you need more fiber in there. You need more um, solubles in there. Um, remember, you're boiling these up, and they are gonna gel and solidify and become very unattractive. Uh, not unattractive, unsoluble. Sorry. Um, so yeah, you need much more roughage in there. You need. Um, <laughs> you just. It, there's no point, in most respectful way, there's no point trying to dock to that mix because you need to just start again. You just need to start at the beginning. Um, the egg, I t- yeah, yeah, just just start again, buddy. Um, the, the liquid component, six eggs, 20 mil CSL, 10 mil almond oil, two mil flavor. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I'd probably up the CSL a little bit. Um, but possibly lower the almond oil, depends what else is, is in the mix. Uh, it's quite a low fat mix as it is. You've got what 10% soy protein. Uh, yeah, it's not much, not that much fat in there at all. So yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I can't kind of give a better thing than that. But I would just chuck that mix out and and start again. Um, buy my mix is what I'd do. <laughs> I would say that, right? Um, but yeah, I, I just think it is. There's too much going on there. I mean, what? first off, what have you got? You've got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. So you've got 60% of that mix are milk proteins. Um, I would say that's too much. And then the other part is uh, egg albumin. Nope. Whole egg powder. Nope. And semolina. Nope. Oh, there's, so there's more than that then. There's more than 60%, right? What have I missed? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Oh, no, it's 60. 70, 80. Oh, yeah, 90, 100. Yeah, I missed that. Um, yeah, just just, just change it, bud. Send me a few messages if you want. We can. I'll help you a bit further because I feel like I'm doing a really bad job and I feel like I'm just mocking you and I don't want to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about that, mate. Um, right, I think I've got to... Nah, fuck it. I'm going to answer them. I'm going to answer them. I'm going to go for it. I was going to leave the podcast there, but no, fuck it. I will carry on. Um, right, next question. Let me have some beer and let's let's fucking do this. Right. Uh, question. Are you a few jars deep now? <laughs> yes. I'm out on the bank currently enjoying a hobgoblin. Good man. Um, I'm sure you're not anymore. <clears throat> by the time I record this, but yeah, cheers. Here is to you, and uh, here's to us. Good excuse for another bit of beer, eh? Right. Next question. 
Have you used higher levels of TMA, trimethylamine that is, um, in attractor type hook baits? <clears throat> Much like the far higher levels of NBA. Right, so the guy that's asked this, I, I've uh, got a feeling you are, you're quite into your TMA, aren't you? <laughs> We've spoken about it before. Um, and I know our friend, your friend, um, who's got a bait company, I, I think he uses TMA in something, doesn't he? If I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think you've played around with it a lot. So your question, have I used uh, higher levels? Yes, I have. And I'll be honest, kind of hit and miss with it. Um, I put a lot of that into our wizard flavor. I say ours. It's you know, There's no us. I just created that on my own. Uh, and there's no one else in the business now. It's just me. So yeah, the, the wizard flavor has got quite a lot of TMA in it. Um, I haven't gone over high of it because, again, as I said, I think it can be hit and miss at the higher levels, as can a lot of things. Um, I think with the higher levels, you can certainly increase, um, what's the right word for it? Intrigue within the carp. I, th I think you can excite them almost, for want of a better, better phrase, uh, with higher levels. Is it going to lead to them eating the bait with gusto? I don't think so, always. It seems hit and miss. <clears throat> when I did some, um, I did some pond testing with it. I couldn't draw a conclusion. There would be some days with the high levels, they would be on it, like they seemed ravenous with it. They wouldn't be ravenous. That you know, they're well-fed fish in my pond. Um, and other days, not so much. Almost put off by it. Almost, I've had it where they're almost distressed by it, and I couldn't. I couldn't see that I was doing anything different or that, that any scenario is, I couldn't, there was just no rhyme or reason to it basically. So for me, I'm a little bit cautious about going really high with uh, trimethylamine, uh, TMA. I just, I just think it's, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't think it's necessary either. I think at, at low levels, it will make a difference and um, trigger intrigue from carp. So yeah, why go higher? Um, I tell you what, I'd be interested in your answer from that. Um, so yeah, maybe drop me a message. I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear if you've messed around with it. Um, I think you test baits quite a lot and, uh, yeah, I'm sure you've messed around with it. So yeah, let me know, bud. Uh, sorry, I can't give a better answer than that, but yeah, I'm not convinced to be honest. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's a, a, a valid ingredient. Um, next question, recommendations for hydro liquid combos to go in a decent fish meal recipe, not krill. Of course, I'm going to recommend my, uh, <laughs> hydro, but if you don't want to use mine, which is, uh, it's a, it's a hydro blend. It's some hydrolyzed, um, liquids with, uh, some fermented liquids and a lot of green lip muscle extract, full fat. It's quite a, it's quite a pain in the ass process that I do to, to make that. Um, I really like it. That's what I use. Um, if you didn't want to use mine, yeah, liquid combos. I mean, go to Bacarel, Bacarel, however you want to say it. Their tuna hydrolyse is very good. Their shrimp is very good. Um, their salmigo, their, their salmon hydrolyse is very good. They're all very good liquids. Um, if you want to put it in a fish mill, they're great. As well as that, maybe you want to go a little bit more out the box. Vicon, Marmite, um, Bragg's Liquid Aminos, things like that that aren't really used or sold for fishing. They're all good things. Um, 
we know we've spoke so many times about salmigo mixed with um, squid brand fish sauce. That's a great combo as well. Um, they're, they're all they're all good things. I mean, find what you like. I quite like uh, marmite. Uh, I think it's underappreciated, underused. Um, I think it's very attractive to carp. Um, so yeah, make, go a bit different. Why not mix some salmigo with with some marmite? I don't think there's that many people doing that, but uh, yeah, that would work very well. In fact, I've used that before. It does work very well, uh, either in a boilie or as a as a coating for boilies. Yeah, um, yeah. Experiment. Find what works for you on your water. Um, I like a mix of fermented liquids and hydrolysates, which is why I brought out that liquid that I brought out. Um, so yeah, maybe I, I suppose my advice would be to do your own version of that. Get, get some hydros, ferment some stuff or, or buy fermented things. Um, yeah, go down that route. Um, next question. As they've not seen it before and are used to farm feeds. Buddy, I think Instagram have chopped out half your question, so I don't actually know what it is. All I can see is, as they've not seen it before and are used to farm feeds, I don't know what the rest of the question is. Oh, it's below. I've got it. Okay. Will, sorry. Will new carp stocked into a lake from a fish farm be more wary of liquid flavors such as Salmigo? I don't know because I don't fish for those kind of carp. Um, I would have thought no. I think they're probably pretty green, naive. Um, as they've not seen it before, they'll probably be very interested in it. Salmigo has got high uh, levels of um, amino acids in and organic acids. Um, and some other things as well, nucleotides, and I think they're going to be very switched on by it, and I think they'd go for it. Um, so no, I don't think they'd be wary of it because they haven't seen it before. I think they'd switch on pretty well. I mean, yeah, that's what I think. I mean, generally, they're, I'm presuming they're going to be ravenous fish. If they're ravenous fish and they are coming across these feed signals, which they, which are hardwired into their DNA to be attracted to, I think they're going to be switched on by it. I don't think they're going to be wary. I mean, they're not, they've not been fish for before. They don't associate, associate any type of food with danger. So I don't see why they would be wary of it, uh, to be honest. So yeah, I think, I think that would be, um, I think they'd be really turned on by it. Uh, next question would be interested in hearing more on the hydro milk flavors slash labels, what levels, etc. Yeah, I kind of covered this earlier, but the butter spice and cream dream is a heavenly combo it smells delicious to us um, and then the carp really like it as well um, as i said the, the strawberry cream ea is another great one um, what i like doing with flavors is mixing bases so you get a varied leak off time so as you may or may not know i do a lot of ethyl alcohol based flavors which used to be very popular back in the old school but since ethyl, uh, ethyl alcohol, ethanol, has got expensive, companies aren't using it anymore because they don't make as much profit, um, which is just a sad state of the industry, isn't it? But yeah, I use them a lot. They're very attractive. Um, they they tolerated very well. They seep in the bait very well. Yes, alcohol is uh, heat uh, sensitive, but the compounds within are not necessarily. Don't worry about that. But that's going to leak out of the bait very quickly. So I would put that with either an oil-based flavor or a propylene glycol flavor, which will be a slower releasing uh, flavor base from the bait. Um, so yeah, I like to mix it up. Um, 
if you want to use the hydro milk and you want your own label and your own kind of twist on it send me a message i will give you some pointers that i probably would and yeah i just probably i mean if i tell everyone oh look here is the thing to do with it everyone's going to be using the same thing and then it's almost like you've lost your little edge and i imagine people that that buy that hydro milk and it's an expensive mix they're spending their good hard-earned money on it and they want in something very different so yeah pop me a message and that goes for anyone by the way if you want your own little kind of tweak to it little thing tell me about your water we'll come up with something um but yeah i don't know if that answers your question or not buddy but uh yeah all i can say is it's so far it's been working very well with the cream dream and butter spice and um also the the strawberry cream ea as well and as well, there's the other guy who's just caning it with these uh, strange fruit, which to me just seems strange, pun not intended, but he's doing really fucking well. So, yeah. There we go. What do I know, eh? <laughs> uh, hopefully that helps, mate. Uh, next one, honey for glazing slash coating baits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you're using a raw, high-quality honey uh, where the enzymes and different nutrients are still intact, then you definitely don't want to be boiling it. Um, yeah, honey as a glaze is a good thing to use. The, the good quality ones, obviously, they're quite expensive. Um, you could argue that, well, it's it's just sugars that are, that are being attractive to the cart. You could just use any sugar, which is cheaper. Yeah, maybe. Uh, gl- glucose, fructose. But as I said, there's other things in honey, and I believe those other things are attractive to carp and have mileage in. So, yes, I would absolutely use honey as a, as a glaze or a coating for for boilies, particles, whatever. I think you'll do well. Uh, next question, salt in winter or pre-spawn only? Yeah, absolutely. Use A lot of people are anti-salt, aren't they? Because they think it's going to damage the water. I've looked into this now in great detail. I'm very firm with the opinion it just is not ever going to be an issue. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Use salt in winter. Why are the carp absolutely fucking craving salt pre-spawning and and summer? Well, yes, partly because they need extra minerals and and salt, but also because they probably haven't had that much over winter due to the nature of the biological cycle of the lake. So, and, and, you know, baits not coming in and and things like that. Um, Yeah, use it. Use it in winter. Absolutely. It will work well. In fact, I was at the lake the other day. I can't get down to pre-bait or anything, but I've put some uh, some natural pink Himalayan sea salt in an area because I know that will be attractive for the carp. That I mean, they're not going to be like eating it or anything like that, but it, it doesn't work like that, and I know you know it doesn't work like that. Um, but as well as that, it's not just the carp, it's the other aquatic life that salt is vital for. Um, it's uh, salt, it, traditionally in the... I say traditionally, I should say historically, in the animal world has been a very hard to come by resource, which is very valued by all animals as well as our own ancestors. You know, you've heard of the saying, worth your salt. Um, so yeah, salt is a good one. It's no different for carp. They need it. They seek. They will seek it out. Um, and yeah, I would happily use it in the winter and I do happily use it in the winter. And um, yeah, I think, there's, uh, I think it's worthwhile doing. I don't think you need to use shitloads of it. I just don't think you should. I don't think you need to. Uh, but yeah, yeah, crack on, bud, is what I would say if you're not already. Um, right, next question. 
best ingredients for cold water solubility, digestibility, and attraction? Well, that is a bigger question than you might realize. Um, I mean, soluble ing ingredients. So I'm presuming you're making a boilie. So soluble ingredients, they're going to be soluble in warm water or, or, or cold water. Yes, to varying degrees. But still, um, some aren't soluble in, in warm, but not soluble in cold and vice versa. Hopefully I've explained that correctly. Um, so, I mean, if you're rolling a fish meal, CPSP90, um, which is a pre-digested fish meal, very soluble, very attractive to carp, highly nutritious, very rich in amino acids, nucleotide. It, it's such a good ingredient, very soluble. Um, now, people shy away from fish meals in the winter, don't they? That is a fish meal that uh, if I was using a winter fish meal, such as the Voodoo I mentioned earlier, there's a shitload of CPSB90 in that. A lot. You'd be shocked how much. Most people use 10%. But there's a hell of a lot more of it in there than that. Um, that's a great one. Uh, I mean, I do, yeah, I don't know how to answer. There's lots of soluble ingredients. Um, for winter, uh, yeast would be another one that I would definitely look to. But then again, I'd look to that in in the spring, in the summer, in the autumn as well. Yeast is a great ingredient. Uh, it's not that expensive. It's highly attractive to carp. It's got a lot of benefits to it that are outside attraction in terms of di digestion, um, nutrients, etc. So, yeah, it's, it's a big question, mate. Um, and I don't really know the, the full context of it. In terms of uh, digestibility, um, yeah, it's more important in the winter. Their gut enzyme activity is lessened greatly. So you don't want shitloads of protein or anything like that. Um, they're going to be breaking down starches uh, more, more efficiently than they would do proteins. Um, so, you know, a, a higher carbohydrate-based perhaps a bit lower in protein is going to is going to work better in the winter um you want plenty of roughage in there you want it to move through the gut tract kind of spoke about this and covered this earlier um so i won't go into it too much but yeah digestibility is even it is so important in the winter far more important than it is at the rest of the time of year and uh and, and even then it's very important so yeah really pay close attention to digestibility super important attraction again as i said earlier these winter carp they are they're kind of like semi-dormant they're like they're a bit i don't know what's the word right they're they're not quite with it <laughs> they're, they're not all there they're a bit dopey um you need to really invigorate their their receptors to stimulate them to feed this is why you can get away with high levels of flavors in the winter um and again going back to the solubility thing that you mentioned get the freaking solubles in the water use powders on if you're using boilies or using particle or whatever you're using i, mean, I wouldn't really use particle not on mass anyway but get a load of powders on top of it that are going to be soluble and going to be moving through the water column that's what i did with the primer powder that'll move through the water column it's soluble moves up and down do things like that that, that will you know get the feed sent in the in the uh i nearly said in the air <laughs> in the water like it, it you need to switch them on you need them to think shit i need to feed right now um so yeah get 
get get the as much attraction in there as possible. Now, I think some people can go wrong where they think, oh, I want to make that really fucking attractive. So, what what is attractive? Oh, I'm going to bang in some hydrolyzed fish, some um, salmigo, some tuna. I'm going to put some fish meal in there. I'm going to put some marmite in there. I'm going to add in some yeast. And, and you can overdo it. I truly believe that. More is not better. You know, like we're not five years old anymore. Right? I might feel it sometimes, but as much as it's tempting to think, we'll just fucking throw everything in there and it's going to be so much better. That's not always the case. You've got to be smart. Um, go for winning combinations. If you want to get a load of powdered attraction in there, um, you know, yeast. And as I said before, if you go down the fish meal route, did you say you're going down fish meal? No, you're not. If you're going down fish meal route, go CPSP90, yeast, things like that. Very soluble, very attractive. If you're going more down like a bird food, milk type thing, again, use those things. Who's to say you can't use them with a milk type base mix? Absolutely no one. It just doesn't fit right in our mind, does it? It doesn't fit right in mine anyway. But um, the hydrolyzed milks, PeptoPro, hydrolyzed casein, hydrolyzed whey protein. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They're going to be very attractive to those fish and they will move throughout the water column um, and the carp will switch onto them. Um, as well as that, of course, use liquids, things like that. If you're using singles, don't be afraid to go a bit higher in a flavor. I like an EA, an ethyl, ethyl alcohol-based flavor in the winter. So I use, um, I use the polar fruit flavor. Works very, very well. Um, strawberry cream EA, again, works very, very well. Blackcurrant works very, very well. So, yeah, get, get, get as much attraction in there as possible, bud. And most of all, find the freaking fish. You can have the most attractive, soluble bait in the freaking world. If it's nowhere near the fish, the fish aren't moving around much in the winter. You're not going to catch them. So make sure you find those fish. Um, next question. Could you suggest an acidic bait for an alkaline water lake? Um, off the top of my head, no. I can't, actually. I just... Not because I'm being awkward, I just don't know. Um, I would go for a... I, I mean, the easiest way of doing that would be get a very acidic flavour. Um, add it at high levels uh, or you know fairly high levels as high levels as you get away with um, in terms of base mix ingredients off the top of my head I couldn't tell you a base mix recipe that would be very acidic that would work and hold together and be have desirable traits I couldn't tell you that off the top of my head so sorry um, I'm not I've done a shit job for you <laughs> but I can't answer that um but yeah, maybe if, if you're just rolling hook baits or something like that, I'd go for an acidic flavour um, and use that. Um, yeah, probably doesn't help you much. Sorry about that. Right, four more questions to go. Let me have a bit of beer. Right, next one. Hi Sam, any chance that OptiBaits will bring out a de dedicated hook bait pop-up mix slash wafter mix. Yes, definitely. For the Voodoo, <clears throat> my fish meal bait, I have to because it's just the bait is too soft without that. Um, so I'll be bringing out one for that. You don't need to be using the Voodoo base mix to, to, to do well on that. It's awesome in its own right. Um, <clears throat> and the Hydro Milk, so many people have asked for um, uh, a hook bait and pop-up base mix based on that hydro milk i have to do it and it's to be honest it's quite simple to do um 
So yes, is the answer. Pretty soon the hydro milk um, hook bait mix slash pop-up mix will be out. And um, yeah, I'll be doing the same for the Voodoo uh, when that comes out. Next question. Is the milk base mix good for all year round use, especially in winter? Yeah, absolutely. It is deadly in winter. It's deadly in winter. It's very, very efficient in winter. I like milks in winter. Again, the danger is not putting the base mix together properly. It needs to be digestible, blah, 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 blah. I've already covered that in detail. But yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very, very good in the winter. Very, very good. Um, but it's, it, it's equally good in the summer as well. Um, it's phenomenal bait. I, the way I do my base mixes, the Voodoo is the same. The oil content is low in both of them purposefully because if you want to add to up the, the fat content, the oil, the lipids, you can do so via actual oil, whether that's hemp oil or salmon oil or whatever. And that is the best way to increase your fat content of a boilie rather than through ingredients like you know full fat soya which i don't like things like that it's just, you just you're better off adding it in oil form to the eggs so i purposely keep those low in oil so if you want a bit more oil in in the, the spring the summer and autumn add a bit more oil if you know use less in the winter and that's the way to go that being said i mean a little bit of toasted sesame oil i like in the winter with the hydro milk that works really really nicely um, it's a great winter oil. Hemp oil is good as well. Um, but yeah, have I gone off on a tangent? Yes, I have. Is it good in the winter? Yes, very good in the winter. Highly recommended. Uh, next question is, which flavor would you recommend for your milk protein base mix? I've already answered this question. Um, go wild, but yeah, generally if you feed in and mass, like a lot of baits, uh, cream dream and butter spice or the strawberry cream, if you want a bit more of a high attraction type in your face, then definitely the polar fruit. Um, that'll work really well. Kind of almost akin to a very highly nutritional tutti of yesterday. I used to love those tutti baits in the winter. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my opinion on that one, buddy. Um, last question. What additional bits would you put over your polar fruit baits to really give it extra attraction? So if this is the polar fruit um, pop-ups that, that I roll, I don't know if you're on about the pop-ups or the flavor that I sell. I'm guessing you're saying over the baits. I'm guessing you mean the actual ready roll pop-ups. They are just really good as they are, to be honest. Um, I am using them in a, in a bag or, wow, I would, I should say, I would use them in a bag um, with the hydro milk base mix. Um, I definitely use them in a stick. Uh, sorry, the hydro milk in a stick mix alongside them. Yeah, I mean, they're a very, they're a strong in your face, highly detectable hook bait um, in their own right. You don't really need to add too much to them. So as I said, you could use those with the hydro milk if you wanted um generally in hydro milk bags i mean there's so much attraction there anyway i just use a hydro milk bottom bait i don't bother with any high track thing maybe i'll use a black buku tipper or something like that um but yeah you could you could do that if you wanted um but they're just good as they are they, they really really are if you want a, a little top tip if you want to darken them up because they're white 
Uh, if you want them darker, spray them with the Choco Stim bait spray that I've got. That will dye them brown. And it seems to just work with that flavor. Although, bizarrely, that Choco Stim seems to work with everything. It do, there's not a bait that it's been used with that it is made worse. It makes everything better. Um, there's one guy, I said this in a previous podcast, used it on the Warlocks, which is a real like out-and-out fish meal um, hook bait. And then it's a, a chocolate and vanilla with high levels of amino acids bait spray. Well, the amino acids, you can, you can say, well, yeah, that goes well. But chocolate and vanilla? But it works <laughs> with the fish meal, which has worked. Um, but yeah, that'll work very well with the Polar Fruits hook baits. Um, so yeah, but they're very good on their own, buddy. I'd, I'd happily go to a lake with just a pot of Polar Fruits and sling singles at fish all day long. And I'd be super confident in catching. So you don't really need to add anything else to them. Folks, that is it for this episode. I've covered all the questions. I'm glad I covered all the ones at the end. Um, I haven't even got on to those uh, different craft beers. I'm on like my second beer during this. Yeah, I've, uh, I've not drunk too much. I think I've waffled quite a lot. Hopefully not too much. Um, and hopefully I've actually answered all your questions in the way that you wanted them answering. Um, I've just found another question. How annoying. Uh, oh, no, I haven't. No, 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 I haven't. No, I've covered that one. It's all right. It's all right. Ignore me. Yeah, anyway, that's it for this episode. Um, I hope you have enjoyed it. I will be back soon. I think probably our next episode will be me interviewing someone. Um, and then maybe in the not-too-distant future, we'll have a bit of a bait debate with uh, myself, Dean Towie and Stephen White. I think um, someone put a comment of that on YouTube. Several people replied and loads of people PM'd me. <laughs> so it seems like you want to hear that one. So yeah, I'll get, I'll try and make that happen. It'll be absolute carnage. Both of those two fellas, they like to chat, don't they? So I'll have to try and be like referee and uh, yeah, it'll be an, an interesting night for sure but i'll try and make that happen um between now and then i'll try and get in more of a bit more of a, like a general angling um podcast jake the heron is due to come back on uh, so many of you really enjoyed his episode um and he's uh he, he's he can tell a story can't he um you know i could listen to him all day so i hope to get him back on and uh, there's a few local anglers that i might be getting on as well so yeah anyway much more to come from us Thank you for if you're still listening now. Look, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a supporter of this podcast. Just by listening, you support the podcast. Um, go ahead, leave us a review if you're on the Apple Podcast apps. Um, if you have any questions, if I can help you at all, that I enjoy doing this. Reach out on social media. I'm most active on Instagram, so go and follow me on Instagram. Just search Carp Chronicles. Um, but you can get me on Facebook as well if you want. And uh, yeah, just get involved. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope hope you're all having a great autumn going into winter now. Um, I hope your fishing is going well. And uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's keep things going. And I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. I don't feel like I'm giving the Queen's speech or something. I don't know. Thanks for listening. Take care. Much love. Goodbye. Psst. If you're still here and you happen to be listening on the Apple Podcast app or Apple iTunes please take a few moments, leave me a review, let me know how we're doing with this podcast. 
A, it's really nice to hear from you, and B, it helps this podcast stay relevant and stay in the ratings. If it doesn't stay in the ratings, it falls behind, um, people don't listen to it, and obviously that means there's not much point me doing it anymore. So if you can take a moment to leave me a review, I'd really appreciate it. If you're not listening on an Apple device, I don't think you can leave us a review, unless there's some means that I'm not aware of. Um, but Nonetheless, I appreciate you listening. It does mean a lot to me. And uh, yeah, feel free to, to reach out on social media. That's it. I look forward to bringing the next episode to you very soon.